I want to be there when that happens. The comforter has come. Missed you last week. Did you notice I was gone? (laughs) I just want to say on behalf of the staff, myself and the staff, um, October is always Pastor Appreciation Month. And I want to thank you for for all the the cards and the words and the emails that that you gave to us in appreciation and love. And we appreciate that. Thank you so much. I also want to thank Pastor Rex for, for adequately, more than adequately filling in. You know, it's, I can't tell you how, how good it is, how good it feels to know that when you, when you need to be gone, it just keeps going. So I just want to thank Pastor Rex. By the way, would you do me a favor? When you see him later, would you give him a big hug? Just, just a big hug. And, and you ladies, give him a big kiss right there on the cheek, okay? Don't tell him it was from me. Just do that for me. I appreciate Pastor Rex. Well, a few weeks ago... We finished our seven-week journey through that little New Testament letter called 1 John at the back of the New Testament. If you don't mind, I would like you to walk back there with me to the end of our journey. I have something else I want to mention. 1 John chapter 5, you want to turn there. At the end of John's letter that he wrote to his brothers and sisters in churches scattered throughout Asia Minor, John had one last thing to write. One more message. You could even say one more warning. Just one verse. Only six words. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 21 says this, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. (laughs) It sounds like to me it's a by the way kind of a thing. Or a don't forget kind of thing. Or just one more thing before I sign off, keep yourselves from idols. Now you see, that that puzzled me. When When I was preparing for the series of our, our journey through 1 John, I read through 1 John at least 15 times. And every single time I read that little letter, I got to that last verse, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. I go, where did that come from? I mean, it just didn't seem to fit. It's, as far as I was concerned, the letter was complete without it. I mean, John said that we should, we should walk in the light. John was telling us earlier in the letter that, that if, we, if we find God's light and walk in God's light, it will illuminate our path and we will be His children. Walk in the light, John says. And John also said that if you claim to live in Him, walk as Jesus walked. What does it mean to follow Christ? Walk as Jesus walked. We are to reflect Jesus in our world today. We are supposed to live in our world wherever you go, wherever, whatever circles you run in. You are supposed to take Jesus right into the middle of those circles so that people will, will hang around you and be drawn to Jesus. John told us about that. He also said that we are to live in the love of God. He said that that what we're supposed to do is love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. We're supposed to live right there. So that 
People can, can, can look at us and hang around us and say, hey, look how they love one another. That's what John was telling us when he wrote this letter earlier on in the, in the, the, the chapters before this. He also said, John wrote, and you'd think it would be enough, John said, God is life. <laughs> he is life abundant right here, and he is eternal life. That's all you need to know. John wrote it all, and then at the end, said, oh, by the way, keep yourselves from idols. What's up with that? Why would John add this, basically this postscript, to a letter that seemed so complete, that seemed so finished? Well, I think for two reasons. The first reason that John added this at the end was because he had their undivided attention. You see, after all, he was John. He was the Apostle John. The last living follower of Christ. The last disciple that actually lived with Jesus. Walked with Jesus. Talked with Jesus. Was with Jesus pretty much 24-7 for a period of time. Jesus called this guy the disciple that I love. So when John wrote a letter in his old age and it arrived in Asia Minor to their little group, they would call all the people and they would pull up their rocks or chairs, whatever they sat on, and somebody would start reading that little letter from John and they would sit on the edge of their seats and they would soak it all in. After all, it was from John. So he had them. He had them right where he wanted them. He had their undivided attention. Keep yourselves from idols. The second reason that, that I think he wrote that at the end is because he knew that God's people, well, they're, they're prone to following idols. And if you know anything about the, the history of the children of Israel, you will know that God's people, through the years, have been prone to following idols. See, an idol is anything... That we worship other than the one true living God. Or you could say it this way. An idol is anything that comes between me and God. Or you could say that an idol is something that we have allowed to be equal to God in our lives. Those are idols. God's people. They've always been prone to following idols. See, God also knew this. And when he was writing or giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, two of the ten, now if my math is correct, that's 20%. Two of the Ten Commandments deal with worshiping idols. Do you remember which two? Anybody? The first two. One and two. You know, whenever I think of the Ten Commandments, I think of... Cecil B. DeMille, and, and that, that epic movie, The Ten Commandments. You remember that? Well, if you'll remember, I don't know how many have watched that movie. It's been years. I think it came out in 1956. It was pretty awesome for 1956, but you'll remember Moses, Charlton Heston. He's up on Mount Sinai receiving the law from God. And God begins to write 
the Ten Commandments on these tablets of stone. Do you remember? Have you seen it? And it's kind of like a lightning bolt comes. God's finger goes. You shall have no other gods before me. And then here comes number two. You shall not make yourselves an idol. You remember that? It's exactly how it happened. See, right out of the chute, brothers and sisters, right off the bat, God says, no idols. Because he knew that his people were prone to following idols. All through the Old Testament, God's chosen people dabbled in the idols of their pagan neighbors. All through the Old Testament, the the children of Israel chased after the idols of their pagan neighbors. All through the Old Testament, the children of Israel put their trust in the idols of their pagan neighbors. They adopted the idols of their pagan neighbors. I'm talking about God's people. Keep yourselves from idols, John said. See, God sent prophets, one after another. Prophet after prophet after prophet. Prophet, and they had the same message. Repent. Turn back to God. Or in essence, they were saying, Keep yourselves from idols. Turn your back on your idols. Get rid of your idols. Destroy your idols. Turn your backs on them and walk toward the living, true God. John knew that God's people are often prone to following idols. So at the end of his letter, when he had their attention, he had them right where he wanted them. He said, hey, by the way, don't forget, keep yourselves from idols. Now, I read that verse over and over and over again. I mean, I just, it, just, it just rattled around up there in my brain. Some people say, well, there's a lot of room up there for that to happen, Pastor. Hey, it was echoing in my brain. Keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. And as I was thinking about that phrase, I couldn't help but ask this question. Why would God's chosen people, who are followers of the one true living God, follow cold, dead, stone idols? Why would they do that? See, the children of Israel have always been great storytellers. And they had this this incredible verbal Language that went through generation to generation about the stories of God. You see, there wouldn't be an Israel today if it wasn't for God. God defined them. God birthed them. God brought them into existence. Apart from God, they wouldn't exist. So as a result... The stories of God dominated their culture. Their whole national psyche was wrapped around the stories of God. And from generation to generation to generation, they would retell the stories. They would tell their children. They'd all get around. They'd tell their children how God was the creator of everything we know. All of this, 
All of this God created. He even created you. They tell that story. They would tell stories about, about how, how, how God used Noah to save his people by building an ark and, 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 just, and just living in this ark and the miracle of the flood and what happened after the flood. They would tell that story to their children. The children's eyes would get big. Tell it again, Mommy. Tell it again, Mommy. They'd just tell the stories. They would tell their children about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the stories about them when Abraham took his son Isaac and he almost sacrificed him on the stone altar. And the children would go, tell it again. I mean, they would tell those stories about God. And then Moses. <laughs> and they, would, they would love to tell the story of Moses. How the, the, the children of Israel for 400 years were held captive by the Egyptians. But God raised up Moses and he set his people free. Went through the Red Sea. I mean, can you believe that? Boy, wasn't that cool in the Ten Commandments? Was that cool or what? If you haven't seen that, by the way, you've got to go get it. I mean, it was so cool and I'm sure it's exactly how it happened. I mean, they just the waters parted and they walked through on dry ground. They would tell those stories over and over and over again. But more than that, they would keep reminding each other. Maybe daily, at least weekly, they would, they would remind each other. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul and with all your strength. Shema. They would tell that to their children. They wrote it on the doorposts. They put it on their hands. They would talk about it when they walked down the street. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only. And my question is, why would those people Follow an idol. Well, I think they followed idols because they were impatient. And possibly the greatest example of that is when, when Moses was actually on Mount Sinai receiving the law, receiving the Ten Commandments. Well, the people got impatient. Moses was gone too long. And their impatience led to idolatry. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 32 verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Good grief. Moses was in the presence of God on behalf of the people. Come, Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses... Who brought us up out of Egypt? We don't know what has happened to him. See, their impatience drew, drove them to idol worship. Keep yourselves from idols. The second thing, the second reason that they went down the road of idols is they wanted to be like everybody else. See, God's plan is this. God's plan is that his people are holy people. 
His plan is that we are separate and we come out from one from, from, from those folks that are that are pagan, that are heathen. And God can use us as people, as a person that will stand in the gap, that will stand and say that God can say, that's how I want you to live. We are to be holy. We are to be different. That's his plan. But you see, God's people, they, they don't want to be different. They want to be like everybody else. Like the children of Israel, they came to, to Samuel and they said, Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, you know, they said to him, you know, you're old and your sons do not walk in your ways. So now appoint to us a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. I just want to be like everybody else. And that decision, give us kings, over time brought idols galore into their kingdom. Keep yourselves from idols. They were impatient. They wanted to be like everybody else. Why did they follow idols? They followed idols, let's be honest, because they really never trusted God. They didn't trust God. If they had honestly, sincerely, and genuinely trusted God, the maker of heaven and earth, there would be no need, even a perceived need, for an idol ever. (laughs) I mean, after all, He's God. In Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, it says, That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died. Oh, excuse me. If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. Well, yeah, yeah. Why is the Lord? You know, all that wine, wine, wine. You whining ingrates. This is after the Exodus, they whine. This is after going through the Red Sea. I'm not, I don't know. I'm just thinking. If I'd seen that, that would have impressed me. I think, I, I, maybe not. I think I would have believed if I was standing with my back to the Red Sea, the Egyptian army coming like they're going to kill me, and God parts the ocean or the sea, and I walk through on dry ground. I'm thinking that I might believe in God. What do you think? But they didn't. They didn't. Keep yourselves from idols. Aren't you glad that we today are past that. We don't deal with idols anymore. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, that's one thing we've licked, right? We're just past that. Idolatry is something that comes between me and God. Or even something that we have allowed to become equal to God in our lives. I call it idol creep. Idol creep. Now, the first thing is, idols are creeps. That's the first thing. The second thing is, when they, they, they get into our lives, they just creep in there. They creep in there, and before you know it, they have a foothold, and we have become idol worshipers. Keep yourselves from idols. One writer wrote this. I would argue that the most common idols in our culture are money, Consumer goods, sex, and work. 
Now, we could argue about that a little bit, maybe add one, subtract one, but let's just work with his list for a moment. Money, consumer goods, sex, and work. Let's start with money. Who controls your money? Your money. Do you give God his part? Because, see, that's a command for his people. I mean, who controls your money? You. What do you do with your money? Do you give God his part? If you don't, if you control your money, you are an idol worshiper. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Somebody someday tell me I'm wrong. If you don't do with what God has given you, what he tells his people to do, you are no better than the idol worshipers in the children of Israel. All right, how about consumer goods? Do you have to have the latest, best thing that comes along, or at least try to work to get it, and it takes all your time and money? Do you have to do that? If you do that, or even close to that, you are an idol worshiper. How about sex? You were waiting until I got to that one, I'm sure. How about sex? Do you use that as a pleasure tool? Or do you use it as the incredible, wonderful, beautiful gift from God that it always was supposed to be? Let me ask you this. How should I ask this? Um, <clears throat> I can't even remember how I asked it in the first service. Let me, at least, let me think about this a second. <clears throat> Man, I'm drawing a blank. You see, brothers and sisters, all these things that I mentioned, money, consumer goods, sex, work, they're all good. They're all good. But... When they have become first in our lives, instead of God, you know what happens? There are terrible, destructive consequences every time. See, it's not your place to decide all the people that you can have sex with. That's not your place. We are to pray that God would lead us and guide us to the person that he has for us. Is there only one in the world? I don't know. Lead us and guide us to the person that he has ordained for us, at least at this time, to, to marry and to be with, and that's it. That's who it is. That's it. You see, if, if you misuse any of those Things, money, consumer goods, sex, work. You are an idol worshiper. But when used rightly, when used rightly, all these good gifts from God are good. Keep yourselves from idols. Idolatry doesn't necessarily mean that you have totally abandoned God. Children of Israel didn't. But it does mean that you have put him in his place. God, I want to put you in your place. Now you stay there. You stay right there, God, until I need you. That's fire insurance. 
truly follower, true followers of Christ, ask him to destroy the idols in their lives. And parents, let me just say one quick word about our children. You see, followers of Christ, part of your responsibility is to lead your children away from potential idols. Does it, is it, does it seem like it's this way with you too, that, that our kids are too busy? Anybody feel that way? Our kids are too busy? You know, and, and what, we're trying to, what we're doing is we're raising potential idolaters instead of God followers. I mean, you know, you take that run with it. You know, we'll get back to that someday. Do you have idols in your life? Here's another way to ask it. What's in first place in your life? Sports? Money? I don't know. What is it? First place. If there's something other than God in first place in your life, you are no better than those people that God kept sending those prophets to and saying, repent. Turn away from your idols. Keep yourselves from idols. Why would we follow idols? Us, those people right here. See, you're sitting in God's house. So why would you follow idols? Well, I think because we're impatient. We're not patient enough to do things on God's time. I think we don't want to be different. We want to be like everybody else. And I think we really, in the bottom line, do not trust God to do what He says He can do, to do what He has done through the centuries. We don't trust Him to do that in our lives. By the way, brothers and sisters, keep yourselves from idols. Father, I guess an appropriate response for me today would be, ouch. Lord, this week, you spoke to me about some things that may be idols in my life. So, Lord, as we gather around the table of our Lord I pray, Lord, that you would help us to seek you and recommit to you with all of our hearts. Those that are helping with communion, would you come at this time? And let's continue to prepare our hearts. Father, I ask that you would hover over us. I ask, Father, that you would draw us close. I ask, Lord that You would help us to understand who You are, the one true living God. Help us, Lord, to turn our backs on our idols, whatever they may be, and give You back Your rightful place in our lives, first place. Lord, we bow before You. Yes, Lord.